Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Please join me in welcoming up lead pastor Michael Hansen. Thanks, Andrew. Hey, everyone, it's great to see you. Hope you're doing well. Uh, Look forward to playing uh, this afternoon uh, from 2 to 4 Family Day. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, If you're visiting, really glad you're here. I hope you feel welcome. And if possible, I'd love to meet you after the service at the info counter or like uh, Andrew was saying, if you've been around maybe a few few times, I'd love to see you at uh, Quick Connect. So welcome to all. Let me start with this. How many of you got to go to our Feb, uh, the, the community service last Sunday here in town. Put your hand up real high. Okay, that, wasn't that an awesome service? I thought that was, yeah. I thought it was so cool. Honestly, I didn't think it was going to go that well. <laughs> I'll tell you that now. But uh, we had at least 500 uh, people from different churches here in uh, Sunbury. So I think that's really cool. So thanks for participating in that. And then if you participated in the July 4th, uh, parade on uh, here in Sunbury. Uh, thank you so much. It was, uh, I just thought it was such a blast. If you've ever been in the parade, it, it's like an extrovert's dream to be just, oh, you're exhausted at the end, but you're happy, very happy and exhausted. But uh, seriously, we, we got to love on the community in a, in a very cool way with the freeze pops, etc. So thank you for uh, participating in that too. All right. Uh, it is really good to be back. In case you didn't know, uh, myself, my uh, wife, Helen, and the dream team, Ken Hackworth, uh, Merle Kaufman, and Scott Miller, we were... Oh, you can go back one there, Patty. Sorry, I, th- I threw a bit of a curve at you. But uh, we got to go to Angola. And uh, it was, we had a wonderful time there. And uh, we were uh, down working with, now you can go to it, I'm sorry. I, now uh, we were down there working with uh, Tim and Betsy Kubaki. You can see them in the middle. Uh, they are uh, missionaries sent from this church and they are working in rural Kavangu in, in Angola. And the lady between Helen and Betsy, her name is Laurel Bennett. And she is a nurse practitioner from California. She's working with them, and she is, uh, she is awesome. Um, if you were here two weekends ago, Andrew showed a, just a short video uh, that, that we, I sent back just to give you a snapshot of, uh, of what's going on down there. It was, like I said, it was, a, it was a wonderful trip. I hope you got to see that video. But this weekend, we want to give you an update on that uh, trip, on that short-term missions trip. I'm going to share a little bit, and then... Uh, I've asked Ken Hackworth to come, and he's going to share more specifically on, uh, on all the accomplishments of the team that went down. But first, let's pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump into this talk. Let's pray. <clears throat> so, Lord, just in the, within the context of missions, I, I, I love this about you, that there's nowhere we can go on this planet that you aren't already there, and you aren't already working in the lives of people. Lord, uh, we got to see that firsthand on this trip. I thank you so much for that. I thank you that you are a pursuing God. And I pray today, you know who's here. uh, You know who's watching online. I I pray today that you would just come and pursue us with your love, with your power. You know the needs in this room. Uh, Would you come and meet us today in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so just a little bit of a history as far as the church here, VCDC, Vineyard Church, Delaware County, 
from day one, back in way back in 2002, uh, we have been involved in missions. It's been a big part of who we are. Uh, his final words are some of the final words of Jesus uh, communicated to his followers, communicated to his church. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says this, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's a, that's a good thing to remember that what Jesus has come to offer, it's not just for the Middle East. It's not just for America. It's for all nations. We have been invited as his followers. We've been invited into this, this global work of inviting people to Jesus, into a relationship with Jesus. Now, that said, uh, uh, we do not, as a church, we don't feel responsible for all the nations. That would be a little stressful. Uh, we'll leave, he, God can carry that. We really just, our, our, our goal is, is, is just to do our part and to do what God has shown us to do. And so from day one, as a church, uh, we've taken an approach towards missions that we call uh, narrow and deep. And uh, I grew up in the church, maybe you grew up in the church, but the church I grew up in, we had on one of the walls, we had a picture of the globe, you know, of the, of the, of the earth. And uh, we had missionary families, uh, pictures of missionary families all around that picture. And there was a little piece of yarn that was taped to their picture and you know, like to Romania or wherever they were serving. And, and so literally this, there was yarn, all, you know, strings all over this map. And so this little church, we gave a little bit of money to a lot of different missionaries. And I, I would say that's not narrow and deep. I would say that is more wide and certainly not, certainly not shallow, but, but not very deep. <clears throat> Again, our approach has been uh, uh, to really focus in on one country, uh, primarily uh, from the start, and that's the nation of, of Brazil. Uh, since 2002, we have sent many missionaries to Brazil, including uh, the Kabakis, um, right now, we have Christopher and Denise Meyer, <clears throat> their two sons. We have uh, Bob Lesher. They're down in northern Brazil. They're, they're working uh, there. Again, they were all sent from this church. So we, uh, since 2002, we've sent lots of missionaries, but we've also sent, <clears throat> excuse me, we've sent a lot of resources. And what I mean is a lot of money to missions. Uh, we, we added up, you know, this is an approximate, <clears throat> excuse me, approximate number. But over the last 20 years, we figure we've sent at least $1.5 million to missions. And that's primarily missions within, uh, within the nation of Brazil. So to us, that's, that's narrow and deep. That's been our primary focus. So when you hear that, you might say, oh, okay, but then wait a minute, didn't you just come back from Angola? Uh, isn't that a contradiction? Well, well, no, we got lost. No, we didn't get lost. <laughs> yeah, cut us some slack. No, we... We didn't get lost. Here, the, Tim and Betsy, the Kubakis, were sent from this church to Brazil as medical missionaries. But then uh, in 2012, they felt called to go to, uh, to Angola. Brazil, the national language, is Portuguese. Angola, the national language, is Portuguese. So it made sense, uh, besides other reasons, for them to go and to continue medical missions in uh, Angola. So... Uh, Again, just giving a bit of background. Why do we do, why do we do short-term missions trips here at the Vineyard? Well, let me give you three reasons. First reason we do short-term missions trips is, is, is purely relational. Uh, uh, it's to go and connect 
relationally with our missionaries. The missionaries that have been sent from this church, they're, they're part of our family. They're part of our church family. And so we want to go down there to visit with them. And if you've ever lived in a foreign country, uh, there's something very encouraging, very refreshing when people from your homeland come and visit you and just they speak the language. They, you know, they, you have so much familiar uh, uh, culture, etc. It's very uh, encouraging. So primarily we go to encourage our missionaries. Number two, we go to participate in the kingdom work that those missionaries are doing. So we go there, we take a team and we just, we come alongside and we partner with what they're doing in those different, uh, in that country. And so if we go to Brazil, Christopher, Denise, Bob, they are now pastoring two vineyard churches. And so they are very much in the process of, of, of leading churches, of raising up leaders, pastors, you know, looking to plant other churches, uh, uh, ministering to their community, feeding the poor, etc. And so when we take a team to Brazil, we, we participate with that. Now, Angola is a little different. It's similar, but a little different to Brazil. And we're going to share a bit more about that, or really Ken will share a bit more about that. So that's number two. Third reason why we do short-term missions trips is uh, to create the opportunity for people, people here, to experience missions. Every missionary that we've sent to the mission field got bit by the mission bug in probably a couple other bugs, but got, but got bit by the mission bug while they were on a short-term missions trip. And one of the things that, that I realize, or I, I sort of wonder right now is I'm looking out of this room, I don't know who's all watching online, but I'm like, could it be that there are people in this room, people online, that God is inviting you into some level of, of you know, participation, engagement in missions? But one of the ways that you're going to discover that, and we've seen this over and over again, is you're going to discover that invitation from God, whatever that level is into missions, but you're going to discover that when you go on a missions trip. There's just something very unique about actually being there. So those are a few reasons why we do uh, short-term missions trips. So let me now turn more towards Angola. And I'm going to talk a bit about what Helen and I did and then Ken will come and talk about the team, the, the, uh, the dream team. Uh, so for Helen and I, uh, really a lot of what we did on this trip was, and you can go to that next picture, Patty, we played with kids. So here's Helen blowing up balloons and, and giving balloons to kids. And just, now just imagine this. For a lot of those kids, they'd never seen a balloon before, right? And what was really cool was when the balloon burst. They didn't know it was going to go bang. So it was kind of fun, uh, on, our, on their behalf. But so that's Helen. Here's Helen. Uh, next picture. Here's Helen doing a tutorial on home uh, interior design with some lads, which that's not true. But she's playing a game and hanging out. Actually, we, uh, Helen was trying to teach some of these guys. She gave them bubble gum. They'd never had bubble gum. Isn't that crazy? She was trying to teach them how to blow bubbles, which was very cool. Uh, we had to tell them not to swallow it. Um, sort of hard, lost in translation, I'm sure. Uh, but then Helen and I also got to shadow Tim as a doctor and Laurel uh, as a nurse practitioner. Here's, uh, I'm doing a procedure on a, no, that's not true. That's Tim. I just wanted to see if you're listening. That's Tim. He is working with this, this little boy. And uh, really the closest I got to people was just to put a hand on their shoulder and, and to pray for them. Uh, here's a picture of Helen. She's caring for this beautiful little girl uh, which she loved that while um, her older brother, that little girl's older brother, was being cared for 
uh, by, by Laurel. Uh, one of the things, uh, one day a woman came in who was dangerously anemic. And so you can go to the next picture. So Helen uh, and then Scott Miller, uh, part of the team, they had the correct blood type. And Ken will talk a bit more about this, but they gave blood uh, for this, this lady. And it was, and literally would have saved uh, saved her life. We also got to, uh, I'm a preacher, so we got to go to church. Here's a picture of the church. This is where I was standing at the back. Uh, it was packed out and it was very, well, I was going to say very cool. It was cool, but it was very hot <laughs> and stuffy. But uh, uh, Ken, myself, and Scott, we got to lead some songs and it was, it was amazing. So that's for Helen and I primarily. And, uh, and that's totally participating with what the Kabakis and the team are doing down there in Angola. But, but like I said earlier, Angola is similar to Brazil, but it is also very unique. So I've asked Ken Hackworth to come. Ken's going to come share more specifically on, on what the team did when we were there. So let's, let's welcome Ken. One death this week was an adorable six-year-old girl who arrived with severe malaria and appeared to be improving when I saw her on the morning of her death when she gladly grabbed my offered sucker. Her fever had dissipated. She was tolerating liquids without vomiting for the first time in three days. We switched her to oral meds and told her mom that we would see her the following morning as it looked like she was out of the woods. Her mom, however, brought her to us in the afternoon when she became severely short of breath. She was breathing over 100 times a minute. Her oxygen level was 83%. My stethoscope revealed severe inflammation in her right lung. She soon became unresponsive as we began an IV line, and I went to set up the oxygen concentrator, a 110-220 transformer, and a generator. Malaria kills, but it also severely weakens the body, making it susceptible to secondary infections such as, in this case, pneumonia. All was set, but our little portable generator wouldn't start. Our backup generator had broken the previous week, and after hours spent taking it apart and seeking a fix, it remained dead. While perhaps a dozen patients waited to be seen in the late afternoon, having waited all day, I hurriedly took this generator apart and deduced that it was the spark plug and went home to get a replacement, while one of our workers used some sandpaper on the current plug. All I had at home was a used plug that I had cleaned, but neither worked. Soaked in sweat after a frustrating hour of pulling the start cord so many times, I entered the clinic to check on the child and was told by one of our nurses that the child had just died. We get close to these families and patients in their time of need. We imagine ourselves in their position and we do everything we can to help. These young deaths are difficult and way too common here. We had gotten to know this little girl and her mom over three days of treating her severe malaria and hurt for her as she wept inconsolably. A spark plug. A spark plug. And when I read that in Tim's blog, I knew that's something I could help with. You see, I'm, I'm not a pastor and I'm, I'm not a doctor, but I know how to change a spark plug, right? I know how to buy a spark plug and put it in a generator. And so I knew I could make a difference. My name is Ken Hackworth. I'm an electrical engineer. And Michael asked me to share a few, uh, few words about uh, and, and provide a summary of the mission trip we just came back from. We arrived back on Wednesday night after about two and a half weeks in Angola, and I'm glad to tell you about what we did and also how the trip was put together and to let you know how you can get involved and start you thinking about ways that you could help in a similar way to what we helped, except with your skill sets. So our starting point was uh, to communicate with the, the missionaries. 
and they're not hard to communicate with. You can actually just go up on Google and type Kabakis in Angola, and you can get on their website, you can read their newsletter, read their blog, see the photos, and reach out to them. So from reading Tim's blog, I had an idea of what I thought they needed. Well, it turns out that's not exactly what they needed. And I would encourage you to uh, don't just dive into the mission trip with your own thoughts, communicate with them, develop a plan like we did. And so uh, we asked, how can we help you? And what I knew I could help with was improving the reliability of their electrical system, right? I know that uh, if you have one generator and it's gonna lead to a death, you should probably have a backup generator, which they did. Uh, but I knew that these generators were old and worn out and they needed some updates and uh, some really replacements. So our goals were to improve electrical reliability. Also, in the process of talking with them, we found out that they did not have a way to send email or have an internet connection at the clinic. To send emails, they would have to go back to their house. Well, why is this important? It's because this is how they arrange for these life flights between their clinic to, for critical patients to get surgery in, uh, in a nearby city. Well, not too nearby, actually uh, a long flight to the city. So uh, they would have to drive back and forth between the clinic and the house and then, and then drive back to work on patients, then drive back to hear back from the life flight team and so on. And this was very inefficient. They had tried use, using walkie-talkies. They had tried a lot of things over the years. They just had no good way to communicate between these two different compounds, their, their housing area and the clinic area. And so it became clear if they had internet and a way to get email at the clinic, this would be game-changing for them in terms of efficiency and time savings. So that was one project we put on the list. The other thing that started to become clear as we talked with them is that COVID was really difficult. You know, not only did they have COVID deaths, you know, and went through difficulty of that, but they were isolated. You see, during COVID, as the U.S. was preoccupied with all the political stuff and our own issues with, with uh, the disease, it left them isolated. They had very little support. They didn't have teams coming down. There was actually very little outreach with them. And um, it was really unfortunate that these missionaries were left, left in the cold, uh, isolated for about two years. So <laughs> when we think about ministering uh, to the people, we all think about going on a mission trip to minister to the people. Really who needed the ministry the most was the missionaries, right? We needed to minister to them so that they could then minister to the people. And so uh, to, to accomplish these goals, we set up these work teams. We reached out to our home group primarily, but then you know we needed a lot of people involved, so we reached out to other home groups. We also reached out to our brothers and sisters at other churches, right? People who had skills that we needed and people who were just had a servant's heart. We didn't turn anybody away when they were willing to help us with our goals. So we started about a year, of, a year ahead of time and we started doing these, uh, these work projects. Now, our project goals on the next slide, our goals uh, became clear as we got closer to, the, uh, closer to the time and we were coordinating with, with Tim on this. Tim has two new hospital buildings that had wiring ran in the walls, but no way, you wanna talk about off-grid living, there's no grid here, right? 
So what we decided is we, we needed to, uh, to buy and install two five kilowatt solar power systems. These are the solar panels, the batteries and inverters. And so we did that. He was able to locally source those in Africa, but we hooked them up when we were there. The second item that we tried to, that we did accomplish is we installed a couple of diesel generators that this church had sent. See, when we read about this death because the generator died, we thought, well, this is crazy. This church went out and purchased uh, three, actually. We sent two so far. Uh, diesel generators, these were these big military generators that were real heavy duty. We, we got those, worked with Bill, and uh, those were sent over via a shipping container. And you know that takes about six months to get across the ocean. So we had to plan ahead on that. We also hand carried two gasoline portable generators. I say hand carried, that was put on our luggage. We chose small ones that would fit. Um, they had to be modified with a, actually a high altitude kit. And uh, we did all that preparation ahead of time. We purchased the, uh, the internet point to point. These are two dishes that point each other. Uh, to get internet and email out to the clinic. I would say the crowning achievement, and you should be really proud of our church for being able to do this. This church and uh, donors and uh, donors contributed about half of the money, and then the church met, matched that. John Cochran led an effort to fundraise, and then we bought an x-ray system, and we took it over and installed it. Now, it turns out x-ray systems, they need power, and they need Wi-Fi. Who, who knew? Well, we found out. And so all this had to be installed first before the x-ray system could be put in. The Kabakis have wanted an x-ray system for years in the clinic to give them extra diagnostic capability, and we delivered that on this trip. So we're going to show you a few pictures of the work parties. Uh, again, all this work started about, <clears throat> excuse me, about a year before the actual trips, we set up the, uh, the solar panel systems, actually in my barn and outside of my barn. You see, over in Angola, the, the country has a lot of issues, right? There's no supply chain. The nearest hardware store is four, four hours drive away, right? So it takes a whole day to get there and get back. And when you get there, the shelves are empty. You can't count on anything being a stock. And it, actually, most things are out of stock, so the only parts and tools and materials you have is, are what you take. So what this required us to do with the projects is to set everything up, test it and make sure it worked, and then take all the pieces, parts, all the connectors and nuts and bolts and washers, take all that and put it in, into luggage and boxes very carefully. Also put in spare parts because that's all you had when you were there. So uh, we would do this assembly, testing, and then disassembly and packing on each one of these systems. So going on the next slide, we see the generator prep. Turns out you can't ship generators with fluids in them. So you have to run the generators, make sure they work, make sure you have all the spare parts needed for years, and then drain all the fluids out of them and prep them for international shipping in these sh shipping containers. I know uh, one of the generators actually got lost between here and uh, the Gulf of Mexico where it gets on a ship. Kathleen from the church here, I'm like, they lost the generator. She's like, what? I said, yeah. So she got on the phone, did it, all kinds of skill sets needed, not just technical, right? We took an electrician, we took two electrical engineers, but it required a whole team. We had to have project management in the x-ray machine, fundraising, administrative. If you can hold a flashlight 
then you're needed in Angola, these mission sites. But even better, if you can work on a car, we need mechanics, we need carpenters. Teachers are in high demand too. There are no schools there. These kids, uh, it, all the potential is wasted because the kids have no education and no way to even get an education. So pretty much any skill set you have, it is needed. Just take it and show up and uh, you can get uh, you can get involved to save people's lives. Okay, so once we had all these projects prepped, we traveled to Angola. Well, when you travel to Angola, it's not like going down to Orlando or something. It's not just you hop on a flight. This is a, uh, a two-day trip. It's a combination of big planes to get across the ocean and then small planes once you're there. You would think, oh, we could just drive, right? The roads, you want to call them they're not even roads. They're like uh, washouts in the, <laughs> where people try to drive. We have potholes. Their potholes, if you will, are these big washouts four to five feet deep, right? Your car not only goes on its side, but it can flip over. Very treacherous, especially in the rainy season. You don't know the difference between a mud puddle and falling off a cliff or falling in a hole that can swallow up your whole car. It's extremely, driving is extremely dangerous there. Now, we went in the dry season, so it's just dusty, but still, um, you can run the tires off the rims, you can flip the car over, it's, it's crazy there. You're actually safer taking these, um, these small uh, planes between city to city, and it's much faster too, but there is a price to it. Okay, so getting there, don't take that for granted, it took two days to get there. Once we got there, we had to do the work, and we get, I should say we got the opportunity to do the work, uh, you know, electromechanical things, they kind of frustrate you sometimes. When we got there, one generator wouldn't start and the other generator had dead batteries. So good thing we brought the spare parts and the whole team pitched in and helped and ends up uh, we accomplished all these project goals that we had. We did the wiring. If we look at the electrical, um, electrical photos, we did the wiring, got these two solar panel systems set up. Next slides with the, the solar power. You can see a picture of the generator room, which we spent a weekend getting and uh, setting up these, uh, what's called ground array. That's the uh, arrangement of solar panels. If we can go to the slide that says internet to the clinic, this internet link would not have happened without Merle Kaufman, who I found out is not afraid of heights. Uh, every skill set is needed, uh, but this was crazy. The roof is dusty. The roof was slippery and it was windy. And he just climbed up on there and got it all hooked up and set up. I know my only job was standing at the top of the ladder. All I could reach is his ankle, right? And I wasn't actually sure if I was stabilizing or destabilizing him. But it took, it took uh, some brave and valiant efforts to get this done. Also, the x-ray system, you know, these are quite complicated. You have to have Wi-Fi, you gotta have a, a computer. And uh, we have some slides here of putting together, putting together the x-ray system and testing that out. Of course, it all had to be pre-tested, but then the last day we were there, we had enough infrastructure in place to take this out of the box and get it hooked up. And they actually ran a few x-rays. It was actually on, on Sunday last week that they ran their first x-rays. And they had wanted this capability for years, but they, they, they couldn't get it until somebody showed up and did the work. And, and we're so thankful for those uh, who went, but also those who sent as well, because it takes a whole team. And uh, I think many of you here contributed to this x-ray system. It requires everybody. 
why we were there, we had a chance to join the local church and worship. Michael uh, did, um, did the teaching. There's actually two translators. They translated from English to Portuguese and then from Portuguese to the tribal languages. So that was, that was a great worship time uh, with our brothers and sisters in another country. Next slide, we donated blood. Now, <laughs> I had never been to a medical compound before like this, but uh, when you walk in, you're like, oh, what the doctors and nurses see is, I wonder what blood type he has. We are walking blood donors and blood is, is life, blood is life. The doctors and nurses regularly give their own blood and while we were there, Helen had a blood type they needed. Scott also had a blood type they needed. And you know here how you, uh, you donate blood, it goes into a, a bag and that goes in the refrigerator and there's processing. No, it goes right into the person. It goes from our vein to their veins, right? You wanna talk about saving life. If they wouldn't have had a matching blood type, those people would have died right there, okay? So uh, you don't have to give blood, but... Mm, it's kind of expected, I found out. Uh, they didn't tell you this all up front, I'm telling you now. So uh, we had the chance to save some lives through blood, uh, donating blood. Um, here's a photo of uh, the next photo with Helen with, uh, with the kids. Again, no schools. That's hard to imagine. Uh, no opportunity for education and, and they will just soak up any time you can spend with them. Uh, next slide. Uh, I asked Betsy, I said, why, why are we learning more about the hazards and risks? Of coming? She said, I shouldn't say this, but she said, if we told you all the risks, you wouldn't come. I'm like, oh my goodness. Well, speaking of that, there's this type of snake called a black mamba. Uh, somebody said there's documentaries on this type of snake. It's one of the most venomous and most deadly snakes in the world. They have them there. And they, uh, while we were working in the generator room, room, the field out behind this, they found one, why the, the locals found one there. They beat it to death with a stick. That's, that's how they kill these snakes. And then they string it up on a stick to go around and show everybody. As soon as Merle Kaufman found, saw this, he's like, give me that snake. And he went over and he said, we got photos with a snake. And uh, you know, these are real hazards. Um, I, I do believe it. You, you can be safe, but there is some risk and adventure involved for sure with this. So while Merle was out slaying the snake and handling the snake, um, you know, somebody had to take care of the kitty cats. So uh, Michael volunteered for that. So he's uh, petting the kitty as he takes a nap. And you know, there's all kinds of jobs here. No, seriously, everybody worked hard. We did snap this picture during a, uh, an af afternoon siesta, but Michael was working hard. Everybody was giving it their all. So let's go to the last slide here. Changed forever. You know, that, um, that's a bit cliche, right? I was changed forever. That is not an exaggeration here. Everybody who goes on these trips are changed forever. So I was asked, well, why? why were you changed forever? What's the big deal? I mean, there's poor people all over the world. You've seen poor people. You could, I'll tell you why. I'll give you three reasons why we were changed forever. We saw firsthand the suffering of the Angolan people. Okay, there's a lot of photos that didn't make it in this deck because they're too gruesome and too sad to show. Uh, there's something that Tim calls catastrophic childbirth, right? Uh, there's about a one in three infant mortality. 
Um, about once a week, uh, somebody comes in with a catastrophic childbirth. This is a childbirth that goes on for two or three days. Finally, one or both people are dead. They bring them into the clinic when it's basically too late, and they say, here you go, Tim. What are you going to do? He does these emergency um, procedures to try to save one of the lives, either the life or the mother or the child. Sometimes they're successful and sometimes they're not. This goes on all the time. Uh, we didn't show, there's so many uh, what I would call deformities, um, children dying. Uh, in one of the plane rides, the pilot, there's a child that fell asleep on me and I just let him sleep there. And the pilot said, is he breathing? I said, I looked down, I'm like, yeah, he's breathing. He said, that's good, sometimes they die. Keep on reporting to me every few minutes if he's breathing. I'm like, what? Yeah, that child was being sent to get emergency surgery due to typhoid fever, which causes perforations of the intestines, right? So this is going on daily, right? For us, this is like a once in a lifetime experience, you know? This is their world. And when you see that, you will be changed forever. Also, the lives of the missionaries, you know, these guys don't just, the guys, the guys and gals of the, of the mission, they don't just go home and watch TV. They're working 12-hour days. They work to the point of exhaustion nearly every day with an endless amount of need. And then they've got infrastructure problems, right? The, the water won't work one day. The inverter's broken. They have a flat tire. The car won't start. It's, it's a constant um, living off the grid may sound glamorous, but there's no hardware store. It's really a hard life. So that's their life at home. And then they face an endless amount of sick people, sick and suffering people all day long. These are the things that when you really see it firsthand, you've heard it said, and we can, we can attest to this, the, the poor in our country are rich compared to these people, right? So it's, it's heartbreaking and that will change you forever. The other kind of the third element of why we say we're changed forever is because we can actually do something about this. You know, I've heard stories like what I'm telling now. You have the skill set. If you can hold a flashlight, you can, be, you can save a life there because while you're fixing a battery, replacing a battery, the doctor's in the other room saving a life. You could maybe give blood. Every skill set that you can imagine is needed there. Even better, if you're a carpenter, if you're an auto mechanic, take your trade skills, take the skills that God has given you and use them, right? I'm telling you, they're needed today. And Michael's gonna tell us more in, in just a few minutes about how we can use these skills to, uh, to make a difference in the world. Thanks, Ken. Way job, good job. <laughs> Thank you. So before I uh, end off, I, I just wanna say, uh, after watching that and being down there with these guys, I'm just super proud of them. I'm super proud of what they've, uh, of what they've accomplished because they not only, yeah, that's awesome. They not only, <laughs> I mean, it's going to totally bless the missionaries, but it really will save people's lives, which is, if that isn't the heart of God, I don't know what is. And so super proud of them. You know, uh, one of the reasons that I went on this trip is, is because I've been praying you know, as the lead pastor, I've been asking God, is there, is there more that you would have us do uh, in Angola? And uh, Tim and Betsy sent from this church. We've been uh, committed to them relationally, financially. 
uh, prayerfully. Uh, and that will, of course, that, that's going to continue. But just I've had this question of, is God, is there more? Is there more that you would have us do? And one of the things that I observed or that really came, uh, became more, more aware of on this trip, and, and this isn't done on purpose, but sometimes within the context of church, uh, we inadvertently create this gap between spiritual gifts and activities and then you know, more practical gifts and abilities. Does that make sense? Like the spiritual things are more important. And it makes sense when you consider what, you know, who, our beliefs, et cetera, et cetera. But, but I think we do create an unnecessary and, and, and not at all accurate gap between spiritual gifts and, and physical, uh, more practical things. And, and, and like, so when we go to Brazil on our trips, we, it definitely leans more towards spiritual gifts and activities in Brazil. We're going to go down there. We're going to come alongside what uh, uh, Christopher and Denise Bob are doing and pastoring the churches and teaching people leadership skills, training people in, in the word of God. We're going to pray for lots of people. That's a big part of the trip. We're praying for people and God uses that incredibly. We're going to be feeding uh, the poor, etc. cetera. And, and that's where those trips tend, uh, tend to lean. And that's awesome. And God, if you've ever gone on a trip to Brazil, it's it's, it's a riot in, in, in the best sense of the word. Uh, uh, and, it, and God is incredibly faithful to use those gifts. Uh, on this trip, one of the things that uh, I just got to see uh, uh, firsthand was that the Spirit of God, the giver of gifts, the giver of abilities, the one who wants to shine through each one of us, well, he is very creative. He's incredibly creative. Listen to this verse out of the Old Testament. It says in Exodus 31, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. One of the things that I observed in this trip uh, really was my, my understanding of, of how the Holy Spirit works in us and through us was really broadened. Because when, when you look at this verse, it's like, okay, wait a minute. God is saying to Moses, look, hey, here's this guy, and I filled him with my spirit. I filled him with the Holy Spirit. And how is my Holy Spirit flowing through him? Well, you know what he's doing? He's building things. He's making things. In, in the case of this trip, he's fixing generators. Like they had lots of troubleshooting, lots of, of, of you know, uh, uh, things that hurdles they had to jump over. Well, I know the Holy Spirit was talking and guiding, uh, was guiding these guys and giving them wisdom. And, and so it was such an amazing thing to see God working through people in, in very down-to-earth, very practical ways. In the vineyard, we say a lot. We say everyone gets to... All right, that's awesome. Everyone gets to play. Well, what does that mean? That means, that means what God is doing on planet Earth, we're all invited into that. Right? We're, we are all called to participate in the work Jesus is doing. We're all called to share our faith. We're all called to, you know, to make disciples, to be witnesses. We're all called to love our neighbors. We're all called to, you know, to serve others. But God is so incredibly creative in how that's played out and what that looks like. Right? So many different ways that he shines through us, but every one of them is, is not only necessary, but incredibly, incredibly beautiful. And again, that's what I got to see on this trip. So let me get back to my question. The question I had for God, and uh, I'm going to end with this. Why don't we have the worship team? You guys can come on back. 
But basically, I was asking God, is there more? Is there more that we as a church family can do in Angola? And, and to that, I, I clearly felt the Lord said yes. And so just want to announce today that we are going to uh, be building a hockey rink in Kavangu. Amen. And to that, the people cried glory. Uh, I'm sure they'd get it, but no, no, that's okay. Put that over here. The more, the more is this. It is a goal of sending an annual maintenance team to Angola. That's our goal for now. And that will take, that may, you can clap to that. That's a good thing. <laughs> that's awesome. And that it's going to, it'll probably take us a, a while to get that to being an annual team. Uh, but I tell you, this crew has learned a lot from this first one. Um, it's a challenging place to get to. Thankfully, they're in the process of building a runway right there in Kavangu, which will be a huge help. Uh, but it is a, uh, it's a costly place in time financially to get there. But here's something that this trip reminded me of again, and that is if God wants to do something, nothing, no one can stop him. He's going to do it. No amount of money, no, you know, border patrol, no, nothing will stop what God wants to do. And so uh, as we move towards next year, uh, as we're planning, we will get information to you and uh, uh, towards Angola and towards that maintenance team. Amen. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.